Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Let's go live. I don't know why I did that, but whatever. Welcome to their episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to recap a little bit of what happened in week two. Look ahead at week three. Touch a little bit on last night's terrible game and maybe an outlook for CMC. But of course, we're going to give you uh, Matthew Fox's game of the week, some start and sits that we both like, some bets that I like. You know, if you choose to jump on board, jump on board. If you don't, just complain about it in the comments. But at the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit about the movies like we do each and every week. As always, joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, way too much going on. You forget how busy NFL season is. Uh, but today, you know, the place I like to go for breakfast, they released a candy corn cold brew. It was not uh, It was not bad. Candy, candy corn cold brew. I, uh, I don't – I mean, I'm drinking my pumpkin cold brew. I'll take that. But I got I, some uh, pumpkin spice toast that I can make later. I, I, I'm really uncertain how I feel about this scenario that you got going on through my head. So with that being said, last week was, I don't, the first two weeks of the season were crazy. Normally week two is when everything come back, comes, comes in and is like normal, but it really wasn't normal, was it? Well, I guess we don't know for sure. You know, is it, is it going to become normal? Uh, apparently, Derek Carr is one of the most prolific passers in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's thrown for over 800 yards in two weeks. And against two teams you would consider preseason to have pretty decent defenses in the Ravens and the Steelers, um, it looks good. I Week one is about challenging the assumptions or the hopes you had all offseason. Week two is usually about discovering what the trends and the reality is moving forward. But I I don't even know. This is the first season where we, we have a 17-game season and the first season where we had three weeks of preseason. And we saw almost no team play regular players in the preseason unless they were really, you know, trying to prop them up or have some kind of competition. So it could be a couple of weeks yet before we, you know, can the real NFL please stand up? It might be October. You're muted. It's pretty crazy to watch it unfold because, you know, some things that seem like slam dunks aren't necessarily slam dunks right now, which is, I mean, it's good. I like an unpredictable NFL just as much as the next guy, right? You know what I mean? It's, it's a blast for me because you never know what's going to happen weekly. But my fantasy teams need some consistency because I'm really struggling right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm high and high and low. I also realize that I'm in too many fantasy football leagues again, mm-hmm. which is a real thing. Next year, I, I'm next year. I'm serious. I'm serious this time in stating serious this time that I'm going to just leave all my leagues except for like three. Um, but um, I've said that every year for like the last decade and, 
here we are. You know what I mean? Like it, it does. You know, I'm proud of our, our friend John who writes uh, the news or noise column um, for us. He, I think he last year was like 50 plus. He said he got down to 30. Uh, I said I was going to go deep and I started the off season shedding some things. And then, you know, you get bored in the middle of the summer because you miss football so bad and you forget that you're kind of screwing yourself for those happy months of fall. And now I'm at like 39. There's probably, you know, there's a core that I care more about. Um, but it does suck a little bit of the joy. Like, when you have to go fix lineups before a Thursday night kickoff, it's not 10 minutes. It's I need 65 minutes. It's I, I realized that whenever I was setting all my lineups yesterday, I'm like, this is a lot. Ricky, stop it. Just stop it. Like best ball is the way to go. I think that's what I'm going to do. I love best ball. Yeah. Huh? I love yeah. best ball. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the way to go. If you're going to be in a lot of leagues, just do a lot of best ball leagues because then, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. You know what I mean? But you couldn't be like me. I'm in one best ball league. I don't remember what it is, but my God, half the team's already hurt and the other half just stinks. So it's like I'm in the mixed bag of just everything sucks. So it's like, well, there went that down the drain. You know what I mean? I'm already 0-2. But I will say this. I actually have better records than I would think by looking at some of my teams so far. Like I, I'm I'm probably at like 65 or 70% wins across the board in all 9,000 of my teams. So I feel pretty good about it. Uh, last night's game uh, was – a little surprisingly a slugfest of just boring boringness after two consecutive really good Thursday night games. Yeah. Uh, the Texans are kind of coming back down to earth. Yeah. Um, and I say that sadly because I do think that the, that Tyrod Taylor plays. Um, he's one of the more underrated guys, but I just think it's because of his presence. That guy loves the game of football and it exudes it whenever he plays. But then of course we just run into the issues that we always run into with Tyrod. He is a little bit of injury prone, so he's out again. Davis Mills played exactly like he did in college. Not very good. Um, they wasted a pick on him because he's just not a quarter. He's just not a good quarterback. He's not going to be a good pro. He's not. He's just not good. Long neck and all. He doesn't have the same ability to utilize that neck that Peyton did for so long. But, um, yeah, it was a rough game. CMC got hurt. That's yeah. a big deal. Uh, they're and J.C. Horn. Uh, they're gonna miss. He's gonna miss a couple of weeks, according to a report I just saw right before we hopped on the air. Uh, Chuba's obviously the guy to own there, but I think it's gonna be a. It's gonna be probably a 60-40 split, I'd say, between him and Freeman. And Freeman's actually pretty decent. Like people forget that he wasn't that bad out there. I mean, you know more than anybody that he wasn't terrible out there in Denver. He's just the odd man out after they did all those stupid signings and didn't retain Philip Lindsay. Brought in Melvin Gordon for no apparent reason, um, but. With that being said, any take, key takeaways from last night games outside of the injuries uh, and, and the fact that the Panthers are legit? I called it. Called it. Well, so Panthers, much like how I feel about the Broncos, who I suspect will be 3-0 by the end of the weekend, uh, I would like to see them play a little bit of a tougher slate. Me too. Um, the Panthers have played the Jets, which we think aren't very good, and they play the Texans without Tyrod. Now, I agree with you. Had Taylor not gotten injured, I think there's a chance that the Texans would have started 2-0 because they were playing really well, and they looked like they had some momentum in there, and that was unfortunate. Davis Mills wasn't incredible, but I will say, A, it looked like they had zero blocking. I mean, he was yeah. getting decimated. For sure. B, they could not get anything going in the run game i love philip Lindsay, but they were giving him carries they were getting nothing 
They were giving it to Mark Ingram. They were getting nothing. Those are two brutal things for a young quarterback back there. I am very impressed with Brandon Cooks. I think he seems to be quarterback proof. We probably have not given him enough credit the last two years. He looked very good. He made, He's getting his catches. He's getting yards. He's getting you points. He's a safe start despite the situation. I didn't think Davis Mills looked great, but I didn't think he looked terrible. I thought he was a little bit better so far than what we've seen from Zach Wilson. He wasn't turning the ball over everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you there. I I don't know. I just I will say another thing that's kind of taken away from is the Panthers' defense is legit. Um, again, the, the offenses you say that they have played, they have they haven't been great. I mean, but they've only given up thirty points in three games. That's pretty. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? That's pretty good. But with that being said, let's talk. Stop talking about that dreadful of a game and let's move on to your games of the week. What four games do you have on deck for us? What games are you going to pick for your upset so that we can fight about? Let's talk about them. So uh, my morning window game is Washington at the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think both these teams came into the season with playoff aspirations, and both of them were dealt a pretty tough loss opening week. Bills, just a comedy of errors, cost them against the Steelers at home. Washington loses Ryan Fitzpatrick early in the game, ends up losing that game to the Chargers. Washington comes back and beats the Giants. That was a lot closer and a lot higher scoring than we expected. The Bills kind of laid out the Dolphins. I think the Bills get the win here. Um, but that's going to be a tough start for Washington, who has some playoff aspirations to start out one and two. Whichever of these teams doesn't win, it's going to be kind of an early season blow because both of them had big aspirations. I'm still hanging with Buffalo. They were my Super Bowl pick. I'm not ready to uh, give up the ghost on that yet. Uh, late afternoon um, window game. The other good morning game that I didn't touch on is uh, Chiefs-Chargers. Um, I think that one could be up and down. Both those teams really – Neither of them can afford to be one and two either, so that's going to be interesting. The afternoon window game is probably the best uh, game of the weekend. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in at the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going ahead and making this my upset special. I know that you, uh, the line you found had Tampa Bay minus nine, but the actual line when they were talking about it yesterday, it has swung way over and Tampa Bay is like minus one and a half, minus two and a half, and usually the home team gets minus three as a default, which means Currently, based on betting and what they're projecting, Tampa Bay is a five or a six-point favorite. I think the Rams will get the win at home. I think it's going to be a uh, close game. <laughs> I know John John wants them to win. Maybe they will. I'm going with the Rams, though. Um, so far, I'm 2-0 and in upset specials. I picked the Raiders over the Ravens. And then last week, I picked the Ravens over the Chiefs. Um, there have been narrow wins, but they've been wins. I think this might be a narrow win. I was giving you a hard time yesterday about the nine points, but I think it, I think the Rams can win, but this feels like a down-to-the-wire last-second kind of field goal game. Uh, the Sunday night game, Packers at the 49ers. Packers looked really bad in week one, looked really good in week two. They have not done well the last two trips to San Francisco. I know the 49ers are beat up, but what else is new? I actually think the 49ers hold on and get the win here, uh, but I think that's going to be a pretty good game. And then the Monday night game, uh, Jalen Hurts brings the Eagles into town to face my other Super Bowl pick, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott. I can't tell you how many leagues I start you in. Please give me more than the six points I got last week. That, you know, I appreciated the win. I picked you guys to win. I appreciate that. The six points was a tough pill to swallow. I'm hoping a little bit of a return to form. 
Yeah, and and the, the the teaser you're talking about, I'll touch on a little bit later. I had the the Bucks at plus nine or plus nine, but it has a lot to do with um, me flexing a bet and getting ten points. But I'll give you guys that bet in just a little bit. Um, transitioning over to some start sits of the week, I'm going to kick it off with my starts that I like this week. I like Justin Fields. Um, I like to start this week and everybody's like, Oh no, it's Justin Fields. Well, there's a lot of people out there that have Justin Fields on their team that also have another quarterback. They grabbed him late in the pit. You know what I mean? So if you're battling between two quarterbacks, there's not many quarterbacks that I'm starting over Justin Fields this week. And everybody's like, well, it's the Browns and their defense. Well, let's be real. I mean, at the half, Tyrod Taylor had 125 and a touchdown before he got hurt, and I think that team looks a little bit better if he stays on the football field. They also gave up a rushing touchdown, 15-yard rushing touchdown to Tyrod, which is a big deal too because Fields does have that upside uh, to be able to run as well. So they've given up rushing touchdowns to back-to-back weeks to rushing to quarterbacks. That's key to know. Um, so I love Justin Fields this week. I love Kirk Cousins as well. Um, I think that that the Seahawks defense is not that good. They just score more points. You know what I mean? And and, and it's just they score a lot of points. And I think this is going to be a high scoring shootout. I really love all four of the big receivers in this matchup. I love both quarterbacks. I think it's going to be a, I think we're going to looking at a 31 28 something to that. You know, effectively, both defenses are not playing that good right now. Uh, who else I like? Uh, Tyson Williams for Baltimore. He's in a somewhat of a slug of a, I don't know what's going on. The eight-headed, eight-headed monster at running back that they got there right now. But the Detroit Lions on the run, I mean, they just got buried by Aaron Jones, which, I mean, if you survived Aaron Jones last week, much praise to you because it was not it was not pretty. I know a buddy of mine, Chris Clarkson, who and I, he and I do our bets daily and weekly, and uh, he did not survive Aaron Jones. He had a pretty comfortable lead going into Monday night, and his four-touchdown game really kind of hurt him. Um, I like Hawkinson, obviously. I think he's uh, he's just a must-start moving forward and he, on, until the end of the year. Uh, Quintez Cephas, he's another guy that I think that has really solidified himself as a, a, a you know a very good wide receiver, two borderline fringe three, but I do think that he's become – a must start. This defense is not good either. So they're going to be playing from behind. He's going to see the targets. I think that he's seen double digit targets, almost close to double digit targets in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Which is a lot, you know what I mean? Especially coming from that team. And I like Kyle Pitts this week. I think he finds the end zone. Um, Last week we show, we saw a little bit more flashes out of him. Everybody remember again that I brought this up last week, but it takes a little bit to transition from college to pros in the tight end position. Would it surprise? And obviously a lot, the high pass to do with everybody was drafting him so high and redraft and absurdly high in some aspects. And I did have him ranked rather high, but the tight ends are just a, abysmal this year, a, abysmal this year, unless you have Waller, uh, Kelsey or Gronkowski or Hawkinson <laughs> or Hawkinson. You're really kind of struggling week to week, but I still think that the tight end position is going to iron itself out over the next couple of weeks, a little bit too. We might see a little bit more. I expected to see a lot more of George Kittle, but give me some of your starts for the week. Yeah. Well, first I'll throw a little bit on you. So, um, you know, our, our good friend, Matthew Bruning, huge Cleveland Browns homer. He actually has Justin Fields ranked as QB 12 this week. He's on the same train as you. He thinks he's going to light light it up. I have him as QB 24. I think he can be good, but I still think there's – I. part of me, it's I don't trust the Bears um, play callers. I think it's just the – I think the rushing upside is where it kind of 
reels me in a little bit. Yep. So uh, my my starts uh, this week. Um, my I don't know what went wrong in my life, but uh, I have watched two complete Giants games uh, the first two weeks of the season. Um, you're welcome, New York. That's two more games than I anticipated watching of the Giants uh, this year. You're welcome, New York. Uh, and some, you know, Daniel Jones was QB 14 against the Broncos. He was QB four uh, for the week against Washington. This week he gets Atlanta. I put him at QB 11. I'm I'm rolling him out there. He has seemed to curb the turnovers. This is actually the weakest defense he faced. Now watch him roll out there and throw five interceptions. Make me look like an ass. But I, I'm giving it to him. And on that same train, we thought Saquon would start a little bit uh, slow, you know, coming back from that knee injury and that the Giants would baby him. And actually having watched two full Giants games, uh, that has been the case watching the rotations. But we saw glimpses of Saquon in week two. He had that beautiful 41-yard run. Did I mention they're playing the Falcons this week? Uh, I have moved him back up into my top 12 running backs just barely. I think he'll be, you know, RB, I wouldn't be surprised like RB 11 to 16. That's way better than what we've seen in the first couple of weeks. I think he may still only get 20 carries. You don't need more than 20 carries to get 100 yards against the Falcons. He's looking a little bit better and more comfortable as a receiver. Their lines coming together a little bit. So I know it seems crazy, but I'm going with two Giants as start recommendations. Uh, my wide receiver start recommendation, I'm going with Cooper Cup. We, you know, it seems like for years we've been chronically underrating Robert Woods. Um, you know, we thought both those guys would probably be somewhere in the mid to low end wide receiver too. Cooper Cup looks like the man with Matthew Stafford. His target share is twice what, what Woods is getting, and he's making a, a great strides with it. Tampa Bay, they have a great front seven, but their back end is beat up and a little bit weak. I think Cooper Cup's going to eat this week. Um, so he's a start. And then from that same game, Rob Gronkowski, you know, uh, there was a time where he was the best tight end in football. Kind of got away from that, then he retired. Came back last year. We didn't really see a lot of the Gronk of old. Uh, people went all in on him on the offseason. We didn't really totally see it. Started to see it in the playoffs. Saw it for sure in the Super Bowl. And that has carried right over. He Brady's looking for him. He has four touchdowns in two games. There is no conceivable reason you shouldn't have him in your lineup. I have a friend in in our work league. She has had him on the bench two weeks in a row with because she has Kittle as her other tight end, starting Kittle. And both weeks, it's been like a narrow, narrow loss. Gronk has to be in there. He's, you know, he's start starting tight end. I think he's he's looking like a top five, one of those most bankable guys. He's getting the red zone targets. He's getting love from Brady. He looks like vintage Gronk. Yeah, and Tom Brady looks like he's 24 all over. Actually, the thing about it is, is I wouldn't even say 24, maybe 32. 30, yeah, 32. Yeah, because 24, he wasn't as good as he was whenever he was 32. You know what I mean? So yeah. that being said, some sit three this week. Derek Carr, the most accurate passer in the NFL history, the man, the myth, the legend, the future Hall of Famer. I'm sitting in this week, um, and, and I know the matchup is – is the Dolphins. I just like, I don't know. I just, I don't like the matchup. I could see the Dolphins winning that game, even with Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Jacoby Brissett could probably be better quarterback than Tua, but that's, that's neither this conversation here, neither here or there. I'm not a big Tua guy. I never have been, but um, Joe Nixon. 
Just real quick. I think uh, Dear Evan Hansen has a better chance of winning Best Picture than the Dolphins do of winning in Las Vegas this week. Um, we'll speak more about that travesty of a uh, train wreck of a thing in a little while. Um, but with that being said, I will say that um, – you lost my train. Joe <laughs> Nixon. Uh, I don't – okay, so I say this lightly. If you have other options – sit mixin right pittsburgh's defense is legit their run defense is legit but if you have to start them start them you know what i mean i understand that you do you drafted them high only if you have other options okay only if you have other options and then my last sit is uh chase capel i foresee this possibly being a one-sided or i just expect it to be a low scoring game and i expect that pittsburgh with the injury to ben rely heavy on that run game um, and before I let you talk about your sits, we got a question on the board. We got Alexander Matson or James White. PPR. White, white. Yeah, for me. This is, it's a white for me easily. I think that that he's, I think he's carving himself a little bit of a role in that offense. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not big yet, but I do think that he's got himself. I mean, he does. He has got the nine carries, thirty-two yards, but he does have twelve catches in the first two games of this season for ninety-four yards. So I really find himself so with uh, seven in game one, six in game two. Um, he's catching almost – he caught every ball thrown his way target-wise except for one. So it's definitely white for me. I think that he is the running back in that offense to own, really. I, Harris has has his ups and downs, but he scares me. He does. He's yeah. going to – you know, he's good. He's You know, he's a fringe RB – you know, he's a RB2 guy. But um, definitely James White, I think that he's going to – he's going to get double-digit points this week. I, whether how he gets it, it's never going to be pretty. But if you're – in a PPR league – you're probably going to get four or five points just off his catches alone. So I like that there. White and Harris are probably the only Patriots I feel comfortable considering to start right now because Mac Jones has been fine managing games, but they don't have huge upside. He's not going to run for you. And we had high hopes for those tight ends, but that passing game just isn't consistent enough to sustain them. They're not getting the touchdown looks, which – is what you really need, you know, getting three catches for 43 yards ain't going to get it done even in the state of tight end. Um, yeah, and what's sad about that as well is is not through two games, they don't have one receiver over 100 yards. So, yeah, and, and the leading receiver is James White. So That actually feeds right into to my sits. One of my tight ends sit this week is Hunter Henry. Um, you know, I had hope, you know, it seemed like the way they were going all in with him and Johnny Smith, you could potentially have two tight end ones there, and they were going to try to recreate kind of the glory days with Gronkowski and Hernandez before uh, all that off-field stuff transpired. But they they just don't have that kind of a passing game. Johnny hasn't been great either, but he feels like a better bet to get a red zone target than Hunter Henry right now. Hunter Henry's like tight end 27 through two games. That's that's not getting it done, even in a weaker tight end market. Um, my quarterback and receiver sit recommendations come from the same team, and that's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I was bullish on him going into the season. I still uh, – I think he's been a case where he's been better in NFL terms than probably for fantasy terms. Jarvis Landry's on the shelf now. OBJ is my receiver sit because uh, he looks like he's on track to play. He tore his ACL mid-October, so we're you know we're only around eleven months. Uh, they've been easing him back. He hasn't been ready to go yet. I don't think he's in for a huge game this week. I think the Browns are going to lean on the running game. Baker's going to do what it takes to help them win, but 
it's not going to be a high flying offense. And I don't think we're going to see vintage, you know, mid 2018 OBJ right now. I, I think you need to moderate expectations. I have Baker as a low end QB two this week and I have OBJ down in the, uh, just outside wide receiver three range this week. Uh, so I'm not rolling them in my lineups. And then my running back sit is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, you know, two, two off seasons ago, he was the top, um, draft pick and we've had a lot of high hopes based on the skill set and the potential of being a three down back in a high volume offense but that just hasn't materialized this week uh this last week he didn't get any targets in the passing game only got 13 carries 46 yards crucial fumble he right now is running back 57 through two weeks you probably were relying on him to be one of your top two running backs, so it's a blow, but let's get real. You might have a better chance picking up and rolling Cordero Patterson uh, than you than the points you're getting from CEH right now. They're not even trying to run. He's a non-factor in the passing game, and he's no lock to get goal line carries because Darrell Williams got the goal line carry last week. Yeah, it's – yeah. There's a lot of murky running back situations right now. Um, anybody, anybody that's watching, if you're listening at home, uh, we got our boy uh, John in the comments here. Um, he writes one of my favorite weekly columns, and it's over there at the Music City Drive. And that news, the news and noise article is really fun. I think it's different, it's unique, and and it's one of my favorite articles that's that's written. Just so happens to be for our website. But uh, last week, a recap for my bets from last week. Um, I had the I had the Rams at minus three and a half. The line moved to three before kickoff, and I actually had it, um, but uh, that lost because you know the Rams ended up winning by three. I did have the Carolina Panthers plus four and a half. That smashed. Uh, I had the forty or the 49ers at minus three and a half, which smashed. And then my t- my prop bet of the week was Tyrod Taylor over two twenty four, and it really breaks my heart because it. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Would have hit, 100% would have hit. Um, But... He obviously got hurt, so then I ended up losing that bet. Um, all right, so uh, real quick, uh, super. Fun. I got Derek Carr and Devontae Smith, and I gave up Daniel Jones and Mitchell. I just got Pat and Justin Herbert, quarterback one and two. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, Derek, you got Derek Carr and Devontae Smith. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I like if, Derek Carr. If you can sell high on Daniel Jones right now, do it. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Mind I mean, it's the the wheels will fall off soon. So. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready to give up my prediction that Daniel Jones is not a starting quarterback in 2022. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's talking about the Packers on the Pacers. It's not an NBA show. I'm just playing around with you. Um, but, yes, I agree. I, I like the Packers to win, too. Matthew Fox does not. Um, all right. So, for my bets for this week. So, last week I went 2-2. Two and two. Um, I, I want a technicality. I want it to be 2-1, and I got screwed by Tyrod's leg. But uh, we won't go there. Um, a few bets that I like this week. I do like the um, I like the like the Steelers money line at minus one fifty eight. I do think that's an e- I don't understand why it's so low. Obviously, I guess the maybe maybe the potential surrounding of Big Ben. I just think they're a better team top to bottom than the Bengals are, and I think they'll win that game. Um, I also like the Steelers minus three. I like that bet a lot. Um, I love the Bears 
plus eight, plus seven and a half either. Or that game is going to be closer than I think that people think it's going to be. I don't know why there's seven. I mean, Justin Fields brings a different dynamic to this offense. He really does. I understand the line at seven and a half of Andy Dalton starting, but I just feel like it's a little bit different there. Um, two other bets that I like, two props that I like this week. I've given out all sorts of bets this week. Two that I like, I like Leonard Fournette over 20 receiving yards. That's sitting at minus 113. Um, it's just something that I had my eye on whenever I saw the bet. I could not believe it was that low. Um, you can flex that a little bit. I think the line's at like 24, 25 uh, the last time I checked. But through two games, Fournette had 27 and 24 yards catching. So, And I think this is going to be a little bit more of a potential shootout here. Um, because the secondary of the Bucks is not that grand, and I, you just you can't trust Brady and them not to score at least twenty some points. So I think the ball is going to have to be thrown a lot. And another prop from that game that I really like: Matt Stafford over one interception. It's .5 interceptions is minus one thirty two. It's going to happen. I, I believe he'll throw an interception. It tip ball, whatever, whatever you, however that interception happens, I do think that he's going to throw an interception, and I do think that's going to it's going to hit. Uh, one more before we move on to um, some of DFS plays real quick. There's a four-leg ten, uh, four-leg parlay that I like, okay? So what you do is you take the Chargers, um, I think it's plus six and a half, and then you take the Packers plus three and a half. You take the Bucks, which is now at minus one, so it'll go to, they're favored by minus one, and then you take the Colts plus five and a half. You put all four of those together, and then you get the 10 points from the parlay on Barstool, and you get the Chargers at plus 16 and a half, Packers at plus 13 and a half, the Bucks at plus nine, and then the Colts at plus 15 and a half. And you get, the, if you put all those together, you get a plus 125 bet. I mean, you're looking at, you know, easily doubling your money, a little bit over doubling your money on that bet. I threw some money on it earlier in the week whenever I actually I could get uh, the Bucks line. I actually have another one out there. I got to find it, but I got the Bucks when it was. Uh, even money actually got the Bucks at plus 10 too. But I, I really feel like the Packers at plus 13 and a half is a shoe in The only one that might scare me a little bit is the Colts one at 15 and a half. But I really feel like that could be, a, it's going to be close ground and pound. I think Henry rushes for probably 1.3 trillion yards this week. And um, Ryan Tannehill. With that being said, moving on uh, with some DFS plays, Ryan Tannehill still sucks. Um, Trevor Lawrence at 5,500 is very, very, very cheap. I don't think that game's going to be, you know, all that appetizing maybe to even watch for the Jaguars. They probably get blown out, but we know that the Cardinals throw the ball. We know that offense moves very fast. So if they're going to have the ball a lot. He might throw a couple picks, but at 5,500 and you pair him with Marvin Jones, who seems to be his go-to guy, just he does. I mean, Marvin Jones has looked fantastic through two games. Um, Jones has 11 catches for like 122 yards and two touchdowns, scored a touchdown in both games so far. I love that pairing there, 5,500, 4,900. Tyson Williams talked about him a little bit earlier at $5,800. Um, those are some of the plays that I like this week that I'm kind of shoehorning in to my picks. Um, with all that being said, that was a lot to really kind of unravel on all of you guys. But um, I think, did you not like any of my picks? I don't think we disagreed this week. No, it, did, I said earlier, um, the first two weeks, you know, I had some maybe hot take uh predictions last week all my hot takes seemed to pan out uh, i went 14 and 2 really that'll probably be the zenith of my career uh, i expect to lose to my wife from here on out um but 
this week felt a little more straightforward to me. Uh, it was hard to really find ones you feel good about an upset. Um, the Rams, you know, I picked as an upset. They're probably a nominal upset. Both those teams are good. Uh, and the Rams are actually at home. It feels like a more straight up week, which probably means next week we're going to be talking about all the incredibly wild things we saw happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I fully expect to be talking about how the Jaguars beat the Cardinals. We had the uh, the Jets beat the Broncos. We had, you know, you just had a bunch of upsets happen this week that really if, make everybody fall off the rails. So. If the Jets beat the Broncos, I'll be wearing all black with a black face shroud next week. Uh, all right, folks, that's it for the football portion of the podcast. If you want to stick around, we are about to go over some movies that are coming out this weekend, maybe some movies that we watched recently that we did or did not like, or we're going to touch a little bit on um, some TV shows or something like that, that um, maybe that you should be keeping an eye on as well. Uh, Matthew Fox, have you watched anything this week that really caught your eye? Uh, So I think you and I both saw the movie Mass, which is coming out uh, October 8th, I believe, is the wide release date. It's Uh, limited release 8th, I heard. And then wide release is going to be the 29th now. Why can't we have good things? Well, that's awkward, right, for Halloween. Anyway, um, it's not a horror of a movie. So, well, it's not a lighthearted film. Um, it was one you, I think, had seen originally at Sundance. I've been looking forward to looking forward. It's probably the wrong word. I've been anticipating seeing it, um, and it definitely delivered. It's an emotional gut punch, basically about two sets of parents six years after a school shooting that gather uh, to talk about the roles of their children. One of whom was the shooter. One of whom was a victim. Um, very important subject. I thought it was handled very deftly. Franz Kranz, um, who wrote and directed this, you may have seen him. He He's uh, a guy who's done a lot of Joss Whedon projects. He was in um, Cabin in the Woods. He was in Dollhouse. Um, but here as a director, I, a writer, a director, I was very impressed with how the movie was put together and the pacing and the, the lead for um, were incredible um you know i don't think i've seen martha plimpton and something like that before she was really good and dowd um who is incredible in uh in almost everything jason isaac uh it it was very emotional um it was it's a tough film to watch but it was incredible and i think it's rightly going to be in the best picture discussion it so i was talking to somebody else about this and I saw it at Sundance. The first time I watched it, I, I loved. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Right? I didn't really like the ending. Second time I watched, I watched it twice in 24 hours. It, and and I think that this is one thing that I'm going to take from this experience was I watched it during a festival. During the festival, you can watch upwards of of 15, 20, 30 different films in in a week time frame. So I didn't think that the first time I watched it, it really sat with me. I didn't get a chance to sit with how I felt about the movie, right? And I watched it recently, I watched it, rewatched it this past week and I was floored. I, I the, there's a few things that I think that need to be pointed out. One, this is not a political movie, okay? It's not a political movie. It highlights at some aspects, but it really fastly reels it back into the, to the heart of the story. And I think this is one of the, it's a very important film because it highlights two people in two different walks of life 
two different brackets of life, handling grief. And actually all four of them are handling in different ways, right? All four of them are handling what transpired in different aspects. And the thing about it is it's not flashy. There's no action. There's no flashback scenes. There's no, it's four people in a room acting their asses off. And there's several devastating scenes in this movie where you're just, you, I mean, I cried sob. I cried like a baby in some of them, especially whenever there's a scene kind of when, when Isaac's describing what happened to his son. Um, but I think the one thing that when you watch this is you pay attention to the words. I, I, I they're powerful, but you know, you, you don't know what it, as a parent, not a as a parent myself, they hit you a little bit different because you put yourself in those shoes of what would I have done on either side of this thing. But then there's one scene where he describes the death, but then whenever they, they go back to the dad and I'm trying to remember off his head, I think it was, what is it? Uh, Richard, uh, Rich, when he goes back to Richard, <laughs> Richard, he describes what happened to each one of the kids. He knew, right. You know what I mean? Like he knew. And I just felt that emotional presence because you know, you had, you had Gail and Jay seeking that sympathy. They seek they wanted something from that family that that said, we're sorry, but we, we can't say sorry because we didn't do it, but we there was something there. And I felt like that moment, they, 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 it was just beautiful. It, it's a beautifully told story. The screenplay should be up for a nomination. It should be in the best picture conversation. I don't think it's going to get anything, maybe supporting actress um, if we're lucky, but I, I don't know this film is going to really... <sighs> It's not an easy watch, man. It's a hard watch. It is. And ever since I've seen it since the first time I saw it, it's it's sat with me. It's a movie that now that I've actually sat with it and and actually got to feel everything without knowing that I had to go watch another movie in 15 minutes. It's 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 my I think it's it's my favorite film since I saw The Father and then prior to that Parasite. I I I ended up going from a 4 to four and a half to I did give it five stars. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen. It just blew me away. And, and it's just seek this movie out. You know what I mean? And I, and I think the important message to get across is it's not a political film. It's not yeah. a political film and well, it handles it beautifully. That's, that's why like when you talk about, it, we, we get a lot of um, media things that, uh, that deal with, school shootings because unfortunately that you know that seems to be a reality of our world as somebody who lives in in colorado we've had our fair share of incidents um you know that are always you know you move past them in news cycles um what i liked about this was it wasn't as you said about a uh, political stance but the long-term impacts of both grief and guilt uh, and how that can, how that really leaves a devastating path in, in the wake of these incidents for those who move on. Last year, the one that won for best animated short um, touched on this subject and was, you can find it on Netflix. I think it's, uh, I think it's called In Case Something Happens. I want to tell you, I love you. So yeah. it, it had like a really long title. I, that should have been my clue of what it was, but I remember putting it on like in the background while I was working on something. Cause I was just watching all the award nominees and then realizing what it was going to be about. And, you know, just having to close my computer and 
and look at that it was very beautifully done this is more like the the live action kind of long form of that um but both both beautiful and i i hope it does um get some recognition very powerful job uh by all the the actors involved especially handling a subject that's not an easy watch uh some other things coming out this weekend we have the starling it came out on netflix i enjoyed it i thought it was okay i, I didn't think it was great nothing groundbreaking but it's an easy watch um, if you miss, uh, speaking of another movie that we both loved, Promising Young Woman is hitting HBO Max this weekend for the first time. Um, if you did not catch it during the, you know, obviously whenever it was out on VOD or anything, or you didn't buy it or you didn't rent it, it's available for free as long as you have HBO Max, obviously. But it's available for free on HBO Max now. Very excited. Check that out. Um, oh, uh, Midnight Mass comes out on Netflix. Um, I watched the entire season a couple weeks ago. I loved it. I was not a huge fan of the first House uh, on Haunted Hill. I wasn't a big fan of either one of those that Flanagan did, but um, yeah, I love this. I think it's great. It's a definitely it's a it's an interesting look at religion, and it's very dialogue heavy from start to finish. And it's something I love a good dial. You know, I love a good show that just lets the dialogue tell the story. And it's one that you have to pay attention to because you, you might miss something, but I loved it. I love the entire season. I might have to rewatch it just because whenever I have time, I don't know what that is, but whenever I have some free time, I might rewatch the season. But uh, you're, you're nothing but free time in football on award season. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. The award season's just kicking off. So, um, yeah. You re- you're really going to make me talk about it, aren't you? Well, so – We've been joking all week. Ricky saw advanced screening of Dear Evan Hansen. Obviously, it was a very is a very popular Broadway show that's become a film adaptation. My wife's been really looking forward to it, so I have uh, just under two hours until my screening kicks off. Some people, uh, you know, our friend Jacob at the site, he he loved it. He wrote a, a really nice review um, that you can check out. Other people, uh, you know, our friend Amanda didn't really care for it. Um, Emma didn't really care for it. I saw her uh, review on uh, Letterbox. You you didn't care for it, but your review was incredible. <laughs> so I've got a lot to say about this movie, but I I truly think it's one of the most ill-advised movies that's ever been made. Um Evan Hansen is the most unlikable character I've ever seen in any movie and not in a good way. You know what I mean? Like there's good villains, there's good antagonists, there's good, whatever you want to call them. There's good, you know, there's good D's in these movies and, and you can hate a character, but it doesn't, that means they're doing their job. There's so many good TV shows where you hate the character, but it's, it may automatically makes me think of Oliver from the OC. I hated that character, but it was great acting. You know what I mean? And great writing. This is, in this day and age, um, mental health is not, it's still not taken seriously enough, right? We don't take mental health serious enough. But the core of this story is a man who lies about a relationship of somebody that killed themselves. And and you can think of, oh, it's comforting to the family or whatever. No, it's 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 about selfish. It's, it's, it's about, uh, you know, followers on social media. It's about clout. It's about getting with the sister of 
the the kid that killed himself. Like that's the it's the selfish gain, and and I I don't understand how this was a Broadway play. I don't because do the you think is so problematic? Do you know whether they? I, I had to wonder if they um, made some changes in the adaptation. Okay, so, I remember the the Broadway show is pretty beloved. Yes, but I do think that. See, I read Matt Nagla, who does the who's over at the Next Best Picture, said that the story, and he still thought there's a lot of people that still think that the story, even on Broadway, was problematic. And apparently, a lot of it's similar. Apparently, the ending's just a little bit different, which the ending is is downright deplorable on itself. I could go on a tangent about how horrible the ending is for about an hour. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I never knew anything about the Broadway play. I didn't care to know about the Broadway play. I, and the thing about it is everybody's like, go into it with an open mind. I did. I watched a 40 year old man play a 12, a 16 year old. But the thing about it is that was the, that was, if I thought, if I listed all the things wrong with that movie, that would be number 50. I don't care what he looks like. The acting, he he was a he's a terrible actor. I, I don't he's a terrible actor. I just I'm so angry. I've never been okay. I went with a buddy of mine who has gone to plenty of screenings with me. He's my he's my screening buddy. You know what I mean? He's my screening buddy. He goes anytime I go. He walked out of the theater, guys. He walked out of the theater. He says I cannot do it. If this was not a press screening, I would have walked out myself. It's one of the most disgusting, deplorable, downright, just vile films I've ever seen in my entire life. Part of me wonders if if Ben Platt isn't just gifted at being that. So he headlined um, a Netflix show that I did not care for called, I think it's called The Politician. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat similar too in that, you know, it starts out, he's supposed to be in high school. It's a tough sell. Um, but that one is supposed to advance to the I that's that was my huge day. I watched the first two episodes and I'm like, no one here is likable, and he's probably the least likable of of the lot. And I bailed, but maybe that you know some people that's their gift to try to take unlikable characters and and make the audience care because it's it's interesting to me. You know, it seemed like Jacob not only cared about the movie but was really drawn to the to the lead character. And Christian well, uh, had a similar so, review. So with with Jacob, he has a connection to the story because he was a fan of the Broadway play and the songs and the music. And, and I don't, I really don't want to say how I, I, how I really feel about people that do love the story. I don't want to, because it's just, it's, it's very downright mean, but for me, it it doesn't work. It, 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 it doesn't work. It's, it's, I'm telling, I just, I'm, I'm seeing red right now. I've never so angry at a movie in my it's, life seems like it's going to be polarizing but either way if you're choosing to see it i think this is a note of caution about the the topic i think a lot of people saw the trailer and were like oh it's a fun musical from broadway about a high school kid i actually didn't know what it was about until i started seeing some of these negative reviews and i had to look into it i think it is worth uh, a note of caution i thought you brought up a real um good point that a lot of people go into these movies cold, don't like to have things spoiler spoiled for them in this kind of, we give the entire plot of the movie away in a trailer era that we live in. Yeah. Um, sometimes you do need a little bit that, you know, that's why we describe to you what the plot of mass is because it's yeah. a great movie. It's very powerful. We hope 
you enjoy it and get to see it. But you should definitely know what that is about because these can be triggers for some people. And I think that those are some of the important things. As we get into this season, you start to get movies, even Promising Young Woman, which we both love and we hyped up. There are some triggering things in there. You know, if you are a somebody who has dealt with sexual assault in the past, that may not be the movie for you. Yeah, it's very triggering. And I did find out, um, I I tweeted out something after my, uh, on Tuesday that said Universal to make sure, they should do it on the front of the movie too. I'm sorry, they should have it on the front of the movie, but they did put the suicide hotline at the end of the movie. I'm thinking maybe, look, I'm not gonna sit here and say it was my tweet. But what I'm saying is, is I'm wondering if the screener version of the movie and what played in theater, they, they, they are different. You know what I mean? They are different because you don't get trailers. You don't get. And I sat through the entirety of the credits. And that was one of the biggest complaints. Whenever you go to these screeners, I go as press and the other people that are there, we went I went with a, with a, a high school film. Uh, There's like a high school film student class that was there as well. There was people cheering, clapping throughout the movie. But. When you go to these, a lot of these people are just excited to see a movie early. So there's a lady that like takes down thoughts and reviews like, who, hey, what did you think of it? This was one of the first ones I've ever been to where it was very divisive. It was very, that was bad. Like that was not good. It's very problematic. And, and of course there's people that love it, whatever, whatever, whatever. But for me, like that's one of the first things I noticed. Like you, you have to, I mean, first off, the movie is based on, it's based on a suicide, right? You know what I mean? It's based on a kid that kills himself. Like you have to recognize that, understand when you watch the movie or watch the trailer, it doesn't really highlight that exactly. You know what I mean? And you're right. It's triggering. It's it's hundred percent triggering, but I, I just, I just can't like, I just, I literally, I've never been so angry in all my life. I don't know how this got made. I don't know who greenlit this. Um, we all know why Ben Platt played the role. Everybody says it's because he played the role. No, it's because his dad produced the film, but that's beside the point. Um, I just, yeah, if I had any recommendation, I would not recommend anybody to see this film. I can't, I can't recommend this movie. I can't retweet a good review. I can't. I just, I feel I didn't retweet. I, and I, I didn't retweet Jacob's review. I will not. I will not. That's, that's what I'm going to leave it at because I can go on a rampage for hours about my hatred for this despicable film next week. Um, what movie isn't coming out next week is the question. There's like I know, Venom's um, coming out. I think. Adam's yeah. family, many saints of New York, Jesus music, the documentary about Christian music. And, and um, then of course, Venom is coming out next week as well. Um, also, uh, well, and the most incredible Thursday night football game. Jaguars have Bengals. <laughs> and then also coming out next week, I think is, is Titan. It's coming out in little limited release, been plotted by everybody at festivals um, or they've been walking out of it very weird by that one. Also, there's a movie coming out very limited release on, on Friday. Hopefully it's coming on VOD or something. It's called old Henry. If you're a fan of Westerns, check it out. I loved it. It's debuting or it's not debuting at the festival. It's debuted at a couple of different festivals. So good. So good. And I'm not a huge Western guy, but with that being said, um, I ran it so long. I, this went longer than I normally wanted to go, but uh, I, I'm on myself. underscore Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734. Um, this will be the last time I ever talk about Dear Evan Hansen. But in all honesty, if you really want to watch, really want to read my most creative review that I've ever written in my entire life, go read my review of Dear Evan Hansen because yeah, it was awesome. It was good. 
the North American film critics uh, gatherings are going to be great when they come out. I will automatically ban that movie from existence. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 